0: Well, a very sad night, Monday night at the Democrat convention. Uh, I, I, don't mean to, I don't mean to laugh, but you had all the Bernie S- Sanders fans very upset about the way the primary turned out. And by the way, with what was revealed by the DNC leaks, they had every reason to be angry, but they should be angry at the, the DNC, the Democrat party, and they should know that that's where their anger must be directed. Anyway, so they were booing and causing a ruckus. Uh, eventually, Bernie gets up there, and uh, you know it, it was very interesting because I wasn't sure if he would actually sell his soul on stage or whether that happened in a separate ceremony beforehand. I didn't know how they re- they, they they handle that uh, at the at the DNC conventions. It looks like it happened beforehand because he got up there, gave a full throated endorsement of Hillary Clinton, who we should note is literally the embodiment of everything Bernie has complained about over the past 97 years of his life. Everything. Everything. Money, corruption, elitism, etc. That's the Clintons. And he knows it. He knows it. Everything he is against. He could not have found a person who more perfectly captures or more perfectly exemplifies all the stuff That he's constantly yelling about. And that's the person he endorsed. So he's there. And he he, he hands his heart and his soul to Medusa. Uh, He yanks it out of his chest. Gives it to her. Very gruesome spectacle. But pretty traditional for Democrat conventions. As I understand. And then he proceeds to really embarrass himself. To the point where you almost felt sorry for him. You almost pitied him. And then you realize this was his choice. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to get up there and endorse Hillary Clinton. He didn't have to. I'm sure they threatened him. I'm sure they, they really put the screws on him one way or another, but he didn't have to. He had free will, free choice. He could have done what Ted Cruz did. No matter how you feel about that, no matter how you feel about Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, he could have done that, but he didn't. But it was terrible. You know, he says things like, um, at one point he said, and I'm not kidding if you didn't see this, he really said this. He said, the Clintons will end the oligarchy that controls Washington. They're going to put an end to the oligarchy. The Clintons. The Clintons. The Clintons will end the oligarchy. That's like, that's like if the Italians had turned, turned to Mussolini in hopes that he would end fascism in Italy. We need Mussolini because fascism needs to be ended. Yeah. No, no, he, it's the opposite. He's the guy you go to for the fascism. He's the guy selling the fascism, okay? So you go to him if you want the fascism. The Clintons are, are who you turn to for the oligarchy. They are the oligarchy. They're, the word oligarchy makes no sense and means nothing in American politics if the Clintons wouldn't count. Along with the Bushes, the Clintons are the very definition of a current modern uh, American oligarchy, Okay. And Bernie knows that. Bernie knows that. Here, here's what we learned about Bernie. Well, what some people learned. I wasn't terribly shocked myself. But we learned that, you know, it's really easy to stand on stage in front of an enduring, an adoring mass of fawning fans and shout about the rich and Wall Street and money and politics and uh, whatever. But... The bankers, oh, the bankers, all the bankers out there destroying everything. But when it comes time to really stand up, to really stand up, to stand up, when it comes time to do that, when it comes time to really face off, square off, high noon, okay, a duel at high noon, squaring off against your enemy against some actual real villain, a real villain, singular, a person, who could make you hurt, make you pay for opposing her. Well, that's, that's hard. That's the hard part. Just shouting uh, about faceless people, just the rich people in Wall Street are terrible. That takes nothing. It means nothing. It requires no courage. Everyone can do that. You know, if you stand up in, in modern America in front of a crowd and start saying rich people are destroying everything, if you do that, everybody will agree. It'll be even rich people who are there will agree with you. That's the funny part. You, I mean, you, you look at the convention and you see a lot of the distinguished, honored guests and they're all they're all rich. They're all rich and powerful. And they're applauding Bernie Sanders's lines about rich and powerful people and how to destroy everything. Those are literally the rich and powerful people that are doing the destroying and they're in the audience and they're applauding you. But if you name one of them, so it's not enough to just say it in general terms. You have to name them like, no, hey, hey, Mrs. Rich and Powerful, specifically you right there, Mrs. Clinton. I'm talking about you, sweetheart. I'm talking about you. See, that takes guts. But he wouldn't do that, would he? No, no. He could do the easy part, but the hard part, the part that matters, the real part. Now, he was nowhere to be found there. He disappeared. He disappeared. Any old gas bag can whine about rich people, but it takes a man of real courage and honor and virtue to stand firm against an actual specific rich person with power and influence over your life. Turns out old Bernie was just an old gas bag. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. I knew it all along, but, but some people were, it seems. Um, you know, it's interesting. Before we move on, there's something here worth reflecting on, I think. We see uh, the difference between sort of standing for something or believing something in the abstract and standing for it, believing it in actuality. And our our society struggles with that quite a bit, I think. In this case, we see how Bernie is this warrior, this champion in the abstract, fighting against abstract, faceless, generalized enemies, but against an enemy, the enemy, face-to-face, he runs and hides. We see it with so many things, and not just in this society. I mean, this is part of the human condition, but it's something very noticeable in our society we see it with love too we talk a lot about love loving people loving humanity loving the world loving everything these are the the slogans we hear so often love people love people love people love humanity love 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 it's great right But often the same people who are so apt to talk about their love for humanity, for people, for everyone, they seem to struggle the most when it comes to loving individual, actual people. They can love people, but they can't love a person. You notice that? That's because it's easy to love the abstract mass of mankind. In fact, I would even argue... um, for people you can't it's it doesn't mean it. it's it, it's so meaningless that it that it almost doesn't exist P- for people to love people generally i don't know god can love people god in his om- omnipotence can love people and by, by people i mean just all people just people in general but for for us for m- for mere mortals for us to love people all that really means is that we just have you know, warm and fuzzy feelings. And if we hear about some tragedy in some place far away where a lot of people die, we feel terribly about it. And that's all it means, really, to love people. And that's fine. it's good. It's good. But the job really is to love the person actually sitting in the room with you. That's the job. That's the hard part. And that's why I think it's interesting that Jesus talks about love your neighbor he doesn't say love people love love the whole world he talks about god loving the world for us he he gives us a more specific project a simpler one because he knows that we're not um we're not god and so for us he's more specific he says love your neighbor start there okay start there guys just love your neighbor work on that first and I think when he says, we, we tend to think neighbor, well, he doesn't mean it literally like the person next door, but it, in a sense that is, he's literally, yeah, the person who's just right next to you. Love that person. The person, the people immediately in your lives that you deal with every day. And the, peep, the person sitting next to you on the subway, the person, you know, in front of you at line, in, in line at the DMV or whatever, love, love that person. But we struggle with that. We can love people, we can't love a person. Sorry, I'm still, I'm still reading the book uh, uh, Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky. And so I'm going to rope this in again. And I'm, just gonna, I'm probably going to rope it in to every podcast until I'm, I'm finished it because I, I love the book so much. But one of the characters says this. Um, hold on, let me find it. Just, I thought it was rare. Okay. One of the characters says, The more I love humanity in general, the, le- the less I love man in particular. In my dreams, I often make plans for the service of humanity, and perhaps I might actually face crucifixion if it were suddenly necessary. Yet I'm incapable of living in the same room with anyone for two days together. I know from my experience, as soon as anyone is near me, his personality disturbs me and restricts my freedom. In 24 hours, I begin to hate the best of men. One because he's too long over his dinner, another because he has a cold and keeps on blowing his nose. I become hostile to people the moment they become too close to me. It has always happened that the more I hate men individually, the more I love humanity. So we have the abstract versus the the actual. The generalized versus the real. Everyone struggles with that. But if all you can do, if, if all your love, your courage, your tenacity comes only in the abstract and never in the actual, then really you have no love. You have no courage. You have no tenacity. I can't speak to Bernie's love, but his courage? Well, there's not much to be said for it. He forfeited everything he ever stood for, for the sake of Hillary Clinton. But if you watch the convention, um, you saw the camera, especially during Bernie's speech, constantly panned to Bernie's fans in the audience, young fans in particular. And they were crying. Their faces soaked in tears. And sometimes they were wailing in misery. I mean, actually wailing. Wailing in misery and, and sadness. <laughs> it's not funny. Again, it's, I, I'm not laughing at their pain. Uh, maybe I am a little bit, but uh, sorry. Interestingly, these people didn't seem to be mad at Bernie. He was the one selling out, refusing to stand... In, in the one moment when it really mattered and they weren't angry at him because they worship him, but they were sad, distraught, devastated, traumatized in general terms. And I, I think they were, they were looking at this play out and I was imagining, you know, what, what are they, why are they so upset? What, what are they thinking about? To have someone in the audience, a lot of people in the audience at a political convention, just, oh, it's terrible. No, Bernie, don't leave us. I mean, that's what they were actually doing. And I, I don't want to laugh, but it's just, I mean, get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself. And I'm thinking, well, you know, what were they thinking? And, and, and I think they were thinking, oh, oh dear Lord, I'm, I'm going to have to pay my college loans now. I'm going to have to get a job. And they ran into the hall and called their parents. Uh mom, Bertie won't be able to pay my loans now. Can can we go back to plan A? Y- you pay for it. Also, I'll be moving back in. I'll I'll be there tomorrow, so please have the kitchen stocked with hot pockets and chocolate pudding. Okay? Thanks. Bye. Love you. I'm not really joking here. The misery of the Bernie supporters, especially the millennial set, is uh, I believe that they'd they'd latched on to him as someone who would take care of them, solve their problems. And, and that's what so many people in my generation want. It's, it's really a tragic, tragic sight. It's a tragic thing that's happened to us. They want to be taken care of. They're, they're absolutely terrified. Terrified of life, of uncertainty, of risk, of sacrifice. And they saw Bernie as an answer to that. Like Obama was supposed to be, but didn't follow through, really. And now Bernie is, um, is gone. Gone to the dark side, and they don't know what to do. They're like some gold digger who was uh, going to marry a, 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 an elderly rich man, but he died before the, before the wedding could happen. He died the night before the wedding. And they're sort of sad that he's dead, but mostly they're sad because I was, one, I was one day away from the payoff. Damn it. That's sort of what they were thinking. And this is Hillary's mistake, I think. I don't know if she could pull it off. She probably can't. But if they adjusted her settings a little bit, She should uh, go with, I I mean, go full on completely method acting here. Uh, She should become the sweet grandmother. Obviously, the tough, in charge, woman in the pantsuit thing, it's not very appealing to a lot of people. It's just not appealing. Even the most most progressive, supposedly, people, when they see a woman like this, like, like Hillary Clinton, just no emotion, no feeling ruthless robotic they're repulsed by it and frankly they really are repulsed by it more than they would be even if a man were acting that way because in a woman they see it as even more unnatural and disturbing and that's how everyone sees it by the way everyone not just me I'm just admitting to it but but everybody sees it that that, that's why Hillary Clinton is so unlikable It's, It's a big part of it and no, it's not sexism. It's just that we, we have a natural recognition of how women are supposed to be. And we know that women are supposed to be ca- compassionate, kind, warm. And when they're not, even people who reject, who would reject everything I just said, ah, women aren't supposed, who, how dare you say how women are supposed to act? Even people who, who react that way, even they look at Hillary Clinton and they're viscerally repulsed by her. So she should really try to become the sweet grandmother. And because that's what these kids want. That's what they wanted from Bernie. They wanted a granddad who would pay off their loans, pay for their apartment, take care of everything. And if Hillary knew what was good for her, she would go with that. She'd walk into the crowd at the convention. I mean, walk into the crowd after her speech or or during it on Thursday. Find these uh, 30-year-old men who are weeping, weeping because their candidate won't be president, and she should hug them. Hug them, pat them on the head, patronizingly. Whisper, I'll make everything okay. There, there, grandma's here. I'll make everything okay. It's okay. You won't have to pay for anything, I promise. Oh, don't cry, sweetie. Don't cry. I'll take care of you. Are you hungry? Here's a Lunchable. That's what she should do. I'm not kidding. Her poll numbers would shoot up overnight, guaranteed. She'd be the most popular candidate among my generation. That's why the Bernie revolution, so-called, was never a revolution. Because revolutions are for revolutionaries, people willing to fight, suffer, die, go all in, dedicate everything to a cause, you know, really work for it. Revolutionaries aren't, aren't kids who, who want their bills paid, okay? Those aren't revolutionaries. Those are just brats. And the Bernie revolution, that was, you know, there were a lot of brats who just wanted things paid for, taken care of. And they, 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 they never deserved the title revolutionaries. When one of the primary things you're rallying for and marching for and and quote-unquote fighting for is that your bills are taken care of by the government, you're not a revolutionary. I cannot tell you how much I detest the mentality of a person who wants the government to pay off their college loans. I understand. Listen, I understand that college is expensive uh, the, the, the bills are enormous. I, I'm, I'm paying off my wife's college loans right now. I didn't go to college, but uh, I'm paying off my wife's loans. So believe me, I know, hundreds of dollars a month down the tubes for this. And ask her if it was worth it. Ask her because she'll tell you. She'll tell you. She'll tell you, no, it wasn't worth it. Years and years and years and years and years spent paying for a piece of paper. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Okay, there was the experience too, right? I'm told. The ex- the college experience. The education. But does that all add up to 50 grand, 60 grand, 80 grand, 100 grand, a decade in debt or mo- longer? Maybe in some limited circumstances, yes. I have a friend I just, uh, I hadn't seen in a little while. I just had a beer with him Saturday night and um, he's uh, he's a doctor now going to be a general practitioner. He's got a lot of debt, spent a lot of time in school. Was it worth it for him? Well, sometimes he would say no because of all the just all the bureaucracy and all the all the nonsense that goes into it. But for the most part, yes, and obviously you need a lot of education to be a doctor. But for but for most people, the answer is no. Because let me tell you, at the age of 18, 19, 20, with no job, no money, no assets, no experience, nothing, nothing, okay? You've got nothing at all. Uh, you, you, you've, you've accumulated nothing, you've accomplished nothing, you've done nothing, except graduate high school, which I'm sorry, is not an accomplishment. Not an accomplishment. Anyone, I mean, you have to graduate. All you have to do to graduate high school is, is be there. You just, you just have to stay there all that time and, and you'll graduate. You, you ha- they don't give you a choice, you have to graduate. You have to you have to try really hard to not you would have to like assault a teacher and even then, I mean get yourself expelled. But even then, I mean basically everyone has to graduate. So you you haven't accomplished anything. Um, and in that position, are you in a position where you can afford to spend somewhere in the upper ten figures or even low six figures on an experience? An experience. The answer is no. You have to earn that. Okay, you have to earn the luxury, the right. To have expensive experiences. That's old rich people who are retired can say, you know, we're going to go fly to France. I wouldn't go to France now in this condition. But I'm going to fly overseas, have an an expensive, you know, $10,000, $20,000 experience. And they can do that because it's their money. They earned it. They've lived their lives. They're nearing the end now. And so now they're having really expensive experiences. But to do that when you're a freaking teenager is ridiculous. With no money. I'm going to have a $60,000 experience and I have no money. Nothing. No assets. Zero. I've earned nothing in my life. And I'm going to pay $60,000 for a fun experience. It's crazy. Yet, guess what? If you went to college and have loans to pay, it's too late. You already did it. You made the decision. Make the best of it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Okay? This is on you. Your decision. I'm sorry. I can have a lot of sympathy for people, but the moment they try to blame other people for their decisions, I have no sympathy anymore. So go work. Strive. Struggle. Do what needs to be done to pay for the decision that you made you made not anyone else you pay for that decision that's on you it's not on me i didn't make that decision it's not my job okay i have kids you're not my kid you're not my child i've got kids to pay for i've got mouths to feed my kids are three years old they make a mistake at this age yeah i pay for it i don't pay for your mistakes that's on you you're an adult Stop looking to the government as an answer. It's not an answer. It's not there to care for you. It's not there to coddle you. It's not there to cuddle you and put you to bed at night, sing your bedtime stories. It may say that it is, but it isn't. It doesn't care about that. If it does that for you, it's only because it wants to own you. Okay, it's like making a deal with the mob. It's because they own you now. You owe them. This is why I can look with only, with only, uh, with only grief. At the whole, you know, so-called Bernie revolution or the other recent revolutions, quote unquote, in the Democrat Party. These are all people trying to pawn the responsibilities and expenses and struggles of life onto the government and thus onto society. So that humanity, uh, that mass of humanity, they claim to love the people they claim to love, loving people, people. Well, it's that mass of humanity that they also want to exploit. And forced to fund their own choices, their own lives. They love the people as long as the people pay for them. They're mercenaries. These Bernie people, they're mercenaries. Yeah, I'll I'll love you, humanity, as long as you pay for all my stuff. So you want a revolution, Bernie fans? Because Bernie ain't gonna—you know—he's—he's done. He's gone. He's gone now. He's all—he's over to the dark side. He's—he's sold out. You want a real revolution? I'll give you one. Get a job. Live your life, support yourself, start a family. Okay, that's a revolution. And let me tell you, if everyone did this, if everyone reprioritized in this way, became self-reliant, hardworking, mature, we'd have a revolution in this country, all right? We'd have a real revolution, a revolution we can all applaud and be happy about and be proud of. A revolution that, really importantly, is not dependent on any politician. A revolution that is born from our own efforts, and dependent upon us to survive and continue, and that's all. That's the real revolution. And in the meantime, if we need help, if we hit hard times, if things aren't going right, we can reach out to our friends, to our families, to our neighbors, to our community. We can reach out for help. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, for reaching out for help. But the moment you reach out to the federal government and say, I want you to force you know, society to pay for all my choices so i can sit back and do nothing the moment that you do that see that's not that's not okay that's not okay that's when you become a mercenary not someone looking for charity and there's nothing wrong with looking for charity you know if that's what you need that's why for my mentality if i'm walking down the street um and uh you know i come across someone asking for money who's hit hard times homeless person disabled you know maybe mentally ill or something like that and they're asking i'll give that person money i'll try to help that person but then if i come across a bernie sanders rally where you know the people aren't asking me for money directly asking for it and saying may i please have uh some money so i can get a meal instead they're going to bernie sanders and say hey force that guy over there to give us money force him you see the difference the one guy says, please, sir, I, I need some help. Will you help me? And then if someone says that to us, I think uh, if, if we're able to, uh, in, in most circumstances, we should say, yes, I'll help you. You asked, I will help if I can. But there's a difference between that and someone at a rally with a socialist saying, force them, make them, make them. See, the moment someone does that, then I say, I give you nothing. I hope your revolution fails, I hope it goes down in flames, and I will give you nothing. Because guess what? I'm, I'm called upon to help the less fortunate. I'm not a call, called upon to allow uh, my what I earn to be stolen from me. And another thing, as a, as a millennial who's complaining about college loans, you're not really the less fortunate. You're, you're just as fortunate as I am. You're actually very fortunate, and you're fine, you'll be fine, you just don't wanna work is the problem. And so you're not the less fortunate. You don't need help. You need a kick in the ass is what you need. So there's your revolution. Bernie's not going to do it for you, but we can do it ourselves. All right? Okay, that's going to do it for me. I'll talk to you guys later. A cruce salus. Godspeed.